This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Thank you very much to Nyaka Lotefo and Lebohang Pogela. I do love Nyaka Lo calls herself sister these days. <laughs> She's in her sister era. She looks amazing with the short hair. It is nine minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. And as we speak, we see that the Minister of Electricity is currently addressing the media. I feel so bad for this man. What a horrible job and a horrible responsibility to have been entrusted. He's never going to win. It's like an uphill battle for him. It's like every day he's carrying a bucket uh, full of water, but it's got 10 holes in it. At the bottom, hey, good luck to you, Jose and Soramoho. I don't know what you're telling us today, but we know that by the weekend it will not really matter because already we're told to expect load shedding in the coming days. Professor Andre Duvenich is the uh, political analyst and lecturer at the Northwest University. So this is a problem I have, uh, Professor. Uh, Wayne says he's a Duvenage. Some people are Duvenachers. You are an Andre... I, I am the latter. I am the Afrikaans version. <laughs> that is Duvenage, Wayne Duvenage. There we are all sort of family, but he has a Zimbabwean or Rhodesian connection, uh-huh. and he's following. And the classic surname is Duvenage. That is French. Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> that whole French Huguenot history coming in. It's, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, Duvenage, Professor Andre Duvenage. Good morning. Good morning, Laratu. Nice talking to you. Uh, lovely talking to you. So there's quite a few things to discuss. Let's start off with the manifesto. So it's obviously manifesto season. At Moses Mabida this weekend, it was the turn of the ruling party. But we also got wind that uh, the um, MK party at a rally announced that they'll be having a manifesto launch on the 6th of April. They insist it will not be at the Moses Mabida Stadium because that seems to be the battleground for votes. In, in most most big parties want to launch their manifestos at Moses Mabida. But be that as it may, uh, the president of the ANC was doing the bidding of the ruling party uh, at the manifesto launch. Uh, he spoke to a packed stadium, 67,000 capacity, uh, and I think they met that capacity. So many people are saying, um, you know, when you look at how the stadium is full, you have to ask yourself whether everybody who's disgruntled with the ANC is actually telling the truth when they speak online because those numbers in the stadium didn't uh, reflect that. Uh, But then again, we only know they've got 1 million people and they only had to fill 67,000. So 1 million supporters can definitely make up the 67,000. Okay, I digress. But he told that PAC stadium um, that they need another mandate to address issues of beefing up border security and immigration management. Uh, They're going to create 2.5 million jobs. They're going to address the energy efficiency issues, and they're going to really double down on economic transformation. Um, Your views? Well, uh, to start with your initial comments, why Moses Madiba Mm. Stadium is interesting. We have seen the EFF there also nearly have a full stadium. Then I think in two weeks' time, we have uh, the the IFP also in the same stadium. Mm. And we can ask questions about why. And to me, the explanation is that in a way, KZN 
has become the focus point of politics in South Africa. Uh, Due to Zuma, due to the violence uh, in KZN, due to a number of things, it's also the biggest ANC province. But coming back to your other questions about uh, the policy statements, maybe I must start at the point that we have seen a number of surveys indicating a low level of support for the ANC, some going as low as 39%. But I think the average, and that was before the establishment of the MK party, was on average 43%. But more recently, we have seen a survey from the Social Research Foundation of France Cronier indicating that uh, the ANC uh, can, uh, can lose up to 50% of their support in KZN due to the MK party. And they may get some reports, say 5% nationally, others put it as high as 9%. So it's clear that this can be a very critical factor in the coming election. And the same is applicable to Gauteng, who is also one of the bigger provinces. Mm. But coming to the policy statements, we have seen a lot of continuity I think what the ANC said is in line with what they said in the past and creating these job opportunities. It's not creating jobs, but they talk about the opportunity. So there's a a slight difference between uh, the two with a very important different impact. And then working down to to economic uh, issues, economic transformation. Interesting there is the involvement of... uh, uh, the, the, the private sector, which I believe can be very important and may even be critical in terms of economic growth in the future. There's also a number of other aspects, their role in the Southern African region, their support for Hamas and the Gaza Strip, and uh, a number of social issues trying to get to go towards a standard social grant for everyone, trying to minimize the costs of living. So this is typical social democratic towards a socialist approach. The problem, however, is how successful was it in its term. And I am very concerned if you look at from an analytical perspective to what the ANC has achieved over the past five years. It doesn't seem to be a lot. You mentioned the electricity crisis earlier. It seems as it's going from bad to worse in that department. We know what's going on with railways, infrastructure, the levels of unemployment in the country, the levels of instability in the country, xenophobia, many people referring to uh, the mafia state. We recently had a decision of the Constitutional Court against cadre deployments. Mr. Ramaphosa referred to it when he said the party will still support the cadre deployment uh, initiative. And in fact, they asked for the cadre deployment uh, uh, data from the Democratic Alliance. So yes, it was interesting. My take on it was that Generally speaking, it was a relative successful conference under relative difficult circumstances. Okay, so some people are saying 
when you listen to those policy proposals in line with the social democratic priorities and then you juxtapose them to the delivery of those services or the realization of those goals, honestly, it sounds like the ANC is offering more of the same and more of the same on the ground is really an unconscionable reality for many people. So I think the point that uh, I will make, but really in terms of echoing the sentiment of many analysts, is that South Africa needs to hear something different. It needs to hear about a, a program, a real program to stimulate the economy, not just have a situation where you build trust with business, but you create that enabling environment that will then unlock the investments to create the jobs, the opportunities you're talking about, right? We know of pledges, one trillion or whatever the case may be, but we don't know how the money is going to be dispersed. We don't know where it's being spent. Look at electricity right now. Look at the railway lines. Um, Everything that needs capital injection is not getting capital injection. So what people are saying is we actually need a new uh, approach. It can still be informed by those social democratic principles, pro policies, but we need big thinking, big ideas, and we didn't hear that. Uh, you're absolutely right, Laratu. My own take on it is that uh, we, uh, what we need is a new paradigm of thinking. And I've written an article on the topic arguing for the fundamental reform of South African state economy and society and i asked myself if i was in a strategic position what should i do in terms of bringing about fundamental positive and constructive change to south africa and the first point was to establish law and order the second one will be to get legal systems to function in a proper way. And I can already hear Amaposa's group say they tried, but the result was just not enough. And then we need to create space for the economy to grow. And my take on that is that due to transformation B and a number of other aspects, I think we have an over-regulated economy. And currently, with the international environment, our support towards the Russians and Iran and Gaza is going to cut ourselves off from our biggest economic and financial support in the world. And unfortunately for the ANC ideologues, these are the Western countries. So we need close cooperation If we want investment in the country, just think about the context and implications of the Mm. AGOA agreement, to mention only one. But I think you are right. We need a new paradigm, and I think people can debate the content of it. My take on it, it should be liberal slash social democratic in nature, but we need to have a clear differentiation between the role of the state, which should be smaller, and the state of uh, role of civil society that need be to okay. be a lot more comprehensive. Okay, so we're talking about efficiencies in public administration, using money better, 
and then also thinking uh, strategically in a geopolitical sense. However, uh, those who would push back and say uh, the Russian issue aside, and and we've seen what's transpired there, but on Gaza, this is an issue of international law and morality. And in fact, the fact that a bench of 17 judges, 15 would uh, support the South African argument actually means that South Africa is actually on the moral high ground on this issue. And a country can't be asked to abandon its moral principles on human rights just because you need more investments from Israel and allies of Israel. Okay, you can put it that way, but I think people will even uh, debate the moral standing of that. You know, just uh, an hour ago, I had the interview with the international station about what happened at the African Union. And there was an attempt by South Africa and Algeria to remove the observer status of Israel and to declare them as a state that is uh, uh, promoting genocide in terms of the Gaza Strip, the Palestinians and Hamas. And it was rejected by the African Union, uh, getting the support of more than 40 states out of the 55 states. Then on the other line, you must also look at the track record of some of the strategic partners of South Africa. For example, the Russians. What did the Russians do in the Ukraine? Uh, Do you apply the same moral principles or are you applying it selectively? You know, when it comes to corruption uh, in, in a place like Iran, people are openly killed for that, in public even. So uh, it is not countries that has a strong um, moral foundation. They do not have the moral high ground. The other aspect of the outcome of the court case in The Hague is the fact that a lot of the, uh, the outcomes was in the favor of Israel and not such a lot in the favor of South Africa. It was well, uh, well-balanced argument, but there was also very, very strong arguments against Hamas. And Israel was never asked to stop their war against uh, Gaza and Hamas. So we need to have a balanced approach on the moral high ground. But in this case, I am not assessing Mm. the morality. I am assessing the economic realities. And my concern is we need growth, we need development, we need to address the unemployment rate. And that should be priority. Okay. And so one of the things that could stimulate growth is getting uh, freight rail working uh, refurbishing ports, uh, dealing with the logistics side of the of the economy, but also even passenger rail. Because if 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 we could make it more affordable for people to commute by rail as opposed to the density we see on the roads, it's another area of stimulating productivity in the economy. And so now I go to a headline uh, titled "Fight Over Seven Billion Rands Prasa Train Overhaul Tender." now heads to court. This is a real right mess. And in the end, the court is having to adjudicate whether there has been tender rigging and opaque contracts given in the fear, in the area of passenger rail, Shosha Loza Mail and the like. Um, just tell us a little bit about what's going on here. 
Well, uh, I think it is a lot of the same, <laughs> as you said earlier, but in another way, in terms of application, we have seen in terms of the ideology of the ANC that they, they believe they need to take control of all political, managerial, and even uh, entities within the domain of civil society. And we have seen them taking control of a lot of the SOUs, we have seen them uh, taking the, the whole ESCOM dilemma. And maybe I must first say something about ESCOM. In the late 90s, around 98, 99, I have done my uh, inaugurational lecture. At that point in time, in terms of all governance criteria for 60 plus states, South Africa came out number one on one, and that was the provision of electricity. And since that time, it went down the drain. The moment you are creating state control over these entities, you are creating a problem because then uh, political ideologies are applicable on this. And the outcome of ESCOM, and the same is applicable to the post office, to Sunral and also to Praza and others, is that we have a deployment strategy of cadres who are just not equipped to deal with these issues. And the structures and the systems are falling apart. And the end result of this is that these structures are replaced by parallel institutions. If you look at ESCOM, for example, at the moment, we have seen, on a private level at least, the most uh, progressive development of electricity infrastructure away from the state in the history of this country. Secondly, if you look at the post office, it is basically completely replaced by PostNet as the only effective system. SAFAIR is taken over uh, South African airways. So systems are falling apart. But coming to the harbors you refer to, these are very critical. And especially with the war in, in the Middle East, the route around Africa, the south point of Africa, has become critically important. And due to a lack of capacity in harbors like Durban, Cape Town, and a few others, uh, we have seen that a lot of the traffic is deflected to either Wolfers Bay, Namibia, some of the, the harbors in Angola, and also the harbors around Mozambique. And the result is the decay of our systems. And in the past, it was managed, that was before 1994, in such a way that only under critical circumstances there were government and financial interventions. At the moment, uh, PRASA is costing the government, I think it is something like 17 billion. You are talking about the tender of something like seven or eight billion rand. I understand the priority of getting the system going, but I think the governance management system from an ideological point of view, yeah. is very problematic. Now we have the battles about the tenders. Who will get the tenders? And now you are in a world that has become more mafia-orientated, okay. where people are fighting and even killing each other 
in terms of tenders and that type okay. of thing. All right. So, yeah. So this particular contract is uh, worth seven and a half billion in 2022. Uh, Prasa invited companies to tender for a contract for maintenance of 4,500 metro rail coaches and 1,400 Shosha mail uh, in fleet. Uh, those contracts were awarded, but then other bidders who apparently met the technical criteria were unsuccessful. And that's why the thing has gone to court. And now there are allegations of tender rigging and there's a call for the actual uh, awarding of the tender uh, to be made more transparent. People want to know why it is that those who seem to be more uh, able to meet the requirements were not given the deal. And I think you've explained to us what the issues are. But the issues aren't just within the ANC and the government side. The multi-party charter is also undergoing a few problems. And apparently the funders of the multi-party charter, made up of about six uh, parties aligned with the Democratic Alliance, those funders are said to be very, very angry because um, there's a misalignment between the DA and Action SA, say, they look at recent voting trends in Eteguini municipality when the DA said it would not work, for instance, with the EFF. Uh, but other charter partners seem to be open to the suggestion in that particular context. So there's a sense that at a high level, there's alignment in terms of ideology and worldview. But day to day, nitty gritty uh, they can't seem to get it together. And so you ask yourself how they're going to work it out, contesting an election under one banner. Uh, yes, uh, indeed. Uh, I have uh, do a bit of research on the whole topic of coalition politics. And you know, when we talk coalitions, you need to have a certain underlying value system, which we didn't create in recent South African history, maybe even in the longer history since the establishment of the state. And that is a set of values that try to accommodate people, that try to look for middle ground and to build on basis of this. So this is a real problem. And what we have seen in places like Joburg, Tswane, Nelson Mandela, Metropole, and some of the other local municipalities is a scenario where people are using their power base to uh, just uh, take the system apart or undermine the system, sometimes ending up in forms of criminality, buying over candidates, etc., etc. So we have a huge cultural, moral, value system problem when it comes to coalition politics, and we need to grow. But there's also another problem, and that's maybe the more important one at this point. Our electoral system is designed in such a way that you cannot form a coalition before the election took place. You need first to see what is the outcome of the elections. And you know at this point in time, there are going to be something like uh, 350 parties who would like to become registered through the IEC. And there's a lot of new role, play, role players. For example, if you look at Action South Africa, they haven't competed on a national and provincial level. If you look at uh, mm -hmm. the Patriotic Alliance, the same is applicable. And at the moment, it seems we need to wait 
for the outcome. And the IFP is also in a difficult position given KZN with the MK party and the ANC. So I believe that coalition politics is at a difficult spot and we need to wait until right. after the election. Thank you so much. It's been uh, illuminating. Professor Andre Duvanacher from the Northwest University. Time for the news. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.